and the wonderful, holy, and righteous name of Jesus. My soul says, Amen. Amen. As you turn your Bibles to First Peter, the third chapter, whoever gets it in the red Bible, let uh, tell them what the page number is, so our visitors will be able to find it. And uh, uh, First Peter three, we're going to look at verse thirteen to eighteen. When you have it, speak to me, Lord, and tell me the page number in the red Bibles. Nine eighty two, First Peter the third chapter. We're going to look at verses thirteen to eighteen. You have it. Speak to me, Lord. You have it. Speak to me, Lord. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right. You are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do, do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you <laughs> But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Amen? amen. And amen. This morning, we find ourselves back in our series. We're doing a series through 1 Peter. And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, this is the same Peter that Jesus had talked to before he ascended back to heaven, that Jesus had asked him the question three times, Simon, son of Jonah, loveth thou me more than these? So this is that same Peter that Jesus was talking about that at that time, Peter could not profess to love Jesus or to love God with the agape kind of love. But some time has passed. He has seen our Lord rise from the dead. He has spoken with our Lord. He has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with power and signs and wonders. So now Peter is Holy Ghost filled. Amen. Amen. And he is, he is empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work that God had called him to do. Amen. When God reinstated Peter on that fateful day when they went fishing, he was letting Peter know and the disciples know that God still intended to use him. Amen. And I don't know about you, but that, that gave me encouragement years ago when I, I have fallen and I hadn't done, wasn't doing what God told me to do and so on and so forth. And I remember crying on the telephone. I think I was talking to my doctor, my doctor, my daughter, and uh, someone had asked me to teach. Okay, and I called my daughter and I said, wow, God still wants to use me. Amen. And I can't tell you the tears that, that flowed from my eyes because I felt like that what I had done, that God would never again want to use me in life. But just like God did with Peter, yeah. he restored me. And I, I thank God for that. 
This morning, we see Peter, and, and he's writing this letter that uh, Bible scholars have said is a letter of hope. And he's writing a letter to the uh, uh, Christians that have been dispersed, the Christians that have had to flee for their lives, Christians who have had to leave their home for fear of being put to death because of their believing faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter is their pastor. He's like their, their leader. He's their minister. And he's sending them words of encouragement of how to handle it when you're going through trials and tribulations. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I do, do believe that that is a message that all of us need to hear at, at some time or another, how to handle the situations when we're going through trials and tribulations. And God told me to entitle this sermon that we're, we're getting ready to hear steps to peace. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you're not, if you're like most people, when you're going through trials and you're going through tribulations, you don't have peace. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many of y'all in here can, can agree with that or, or can understand what I'm saying. But most of the times when you're going through trials, you just don't have peace. All right. But God said he wants us to have peace in the midst of the storm. So God is saying to us this morning that what he wants to do is he wants to show us how we can have peace in the midst of the storm. And the first thing we look at is verse 13. Verse 13. Keep your Bible open. Keep your Bible handy. OK. Verse 13. It says, who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? He's saying to them, okay, you're going through trials and tribulations. You got problems going on in your life and you're afraid of what's going to happen to you. You're afraid of what uh, the uh, circumstances and the situations are going to be in your life. But God says, I want you to sit down and think for a minute. God said, if you do good, if you're living a good life, if you have a clear conscience of what it is that you're going through in your life, that it's not because of anything that you're done, that you've done, then you don't normally have to worry about somebody doing you harm. Amen. Normally, we, we only worry about somebody doing us harm when we've done something wrong. Amen. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, if you want to know the first step to having peace in your life, you got to have a good conscience of the kind of life that you live. Uh, it's not a good conscience of what somebody else does or what somebody else doesn't do. But you are willing to look at yourself and you're able to say, what I am going through is not because of me. It is only because people choose to treat me the way that they do. Amen. Because look at verse 14. Verse 14 says that if God decides to allow you to go through, he says, you are to be happy. He says, if we suffer for righteousness sake, that we are to be happy. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't compute in my mind. God says, when you're suffering, when you're going through, if you're going through for righteousness sake. Now, what does that mean? If you're going through for righteousness sake, 
God is saying, if you suffer, if you're going through trials and tribulations because you carry the name of Christ, because you are living to exalt Christ, because you are witnessing concerning Christ, God said, you should be happy. You should be blessed. You say, Pastor, I still don't understand why I should be happy or blessed. I ask you to turn in your Bibles. I told you I'm a teaching, preaching pastor. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew, the fifth chapter. We're going to look at the 11th and the 12th verse. Those of you who have your phones, I also ask you to pull it up on the message Bible on your phone because I'm going to read both translations. Okay, Matthew 5, 11 to 12. But I also want you to see it in the Message Bible. Somebody give us the page number. We can tell the people in the, uh, uh, thank you, Jesus, in the congregation, what page number? What is it, baby? 786. Page 786. Thank you. Okay, you with me? It says, blessed are you. Now, this, this is Jesus speaking. Blessed are you. When people insult you, when they persecute you, and falsely, notice the word falsely, if it's your Bible, circle it, falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. He said, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, before you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God told us in 1 Peter that we read that we're to be happy when we're persecuted, right? For righteousness sake. And I asked the question, well, how can we be happy when we're persecuted for righteousness? How can you ha be happy when you're suffering? God gives us the answer right here. He gives us the uh, answer right here. He said the reason that you can be happy when you're going through trials and tribulations, is because great is your reward in heaven. Amen. You can be happy because of what you're going through down here might be hard, but you know that what you're going through down here is not the final word. Amen. Look, at it, look at it out of the Message Bible. If you got the Message Bible, if you got your phone, it says, not only that, Count yourself blessed. Now look at this. Every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. You see what it says? What it means is, and I love this part. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. Are people uncomfortable around you? Are people because of the power of the Holy Spirit in, the, in your life, because of the witness of Jesus in your life, are people uncomfortable around you? And if you go by the name of Christ, people should always be uncomfortable around you because they'll stop and say, well, I can't tell this joke because Katrina is here. 
I can't say this curse word because Jennifer is here. I can't talk about this movie because Sheree is here. What happens is your faith in Christ makes them uncomfortable. Amen. And that's the way it should be. Amen. The power of Christ on you should make unbelievers feel uncomfortable when they are in your presence. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about that for a moment mm -hmm. and ask yourself, is my witness strong enough, young people, that when I go to school or I'm around my friends or my homegirls or my homeboys, whatever you want to call are they uncomfortable around me because they know that I stand for Christ? Amen. 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 God says, don't worry about who's going to harm you on this earth when you're doing good. Okay? You don't have to worry about it. You have a clear conscience. But God said that it may come a point that I will allow you to suffer for my name's sake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God said that might happen. He didn't say it will happen, but he said it might happen. So what is he saying here? He is telling you here that if you keep your mind focused only on the things of this world, if you keep your mind focused on what you can achieve uh, uh, financially and materially and all this other kind, kind of stuff, God said to remind you that those things can be snatched from you in the blink of an eye. Amen. They could be taken away. How many people started off the year of 2020 making six figures on their job, but when the coronavirus hit, they were laid off and don't have a job even today. God said, the, if you look at nothing but what your, what your wealth can give you, it's going to bring you down because it can be taken from you in a moment in the blinking of an eye. Amen. And notice what else it says in this text. I'm still in 1 Peter 3. He said, don't be afraid when the world threatens you, mm -hmm. when they try to make you be afraid of them. It says, don't fear their fret. Their threats. And God, you don't have to turn to this one, but I'm going to tell you in Proverbs 3.24, God says, when they lieth down, they shall not be afraid. Yes, they shall lie down and their sleep shall be sweet. Amen. Is your sleep Amen. sweet? Amen. Is your sleep sweet? Or is your sleep filled with all kind of worries and frustrations and fears because of what might happen? Mm. God said, don't be afraid. We already know 2 Timothy 1, 7, where God says he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. God says he doesn't want us to be afraid of anybody or anything because we trust in God's love. Amen. Amen. All right. Verse 15. We keep verse uh, 1 Peter 3 open because we're always going to be at that, even though we might flip to other scriptures. But first, verse 15 tells us what we need to do. God says, you're not supposed to be afraid, but what you're supposed to do is in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. You want to have the second step to peace? The first step to peace is having a clear conscience about whatever it is that you're going through, that you're doing the right thing. The second step to peace, okay, is revering Christ in your heart. 
You say, Pastor, what does that mean? The King James Version says, sanctify the Lord in your heart. Mm -hmm. Who remembers what the word sanctify means? Well, who remembers what the word sanctify means? I done taught y'all this a million times. Does anybody know what the word sanctify means? And I'm kind of... Declare holy? No. I'm kind of disappointed because you're not, you, you don't know. Sanctified means to be set apart for God's use. I've told you that all the time. I don't know how many times. To be sanctified, like in Holiness Church, they say we are holy and sanctified. Okay, when we sanctify the communion uh, 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 goblet and so forth, it is sanctified. It is set apart for God's use. We don't use the communion goblet to drink sodas out of and It's only used for communion because it's been sanctified for God's use. God said, sanctify Jesus in your heart. Do you know what that means? Sanctify Jesus in that your heart. That means to make your heart Christ's home, where Christ is at home living inside of you. If you want peace in your heart, you've got to sanctify Christ inside of your heart. You've got to say, you've got to think, you've got to believe. I only want in my life things that are going to bring honor and glory to Almighty God. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. If you want peace, you got to sanctify the Lord. You got to say, yes, I might be going through this and I might be going through that and I might be going through the other bit, but because I got Christ inside of me, I know that it's all going to work out for my good. Amen. You got to do these things. Yeah. You know, I, I, I could, you know, preach a sermon and have you hopping up and down and all this other kind of stuff. But you need the word to be able to stand on the word when these things come. Yeah. Okay. God tells us that we are not to be concerned about the evil of this world. He says that we are supposed to rest in him knowing that God has our back. Yeah. If there's anybody that you want to have your back, it's God. Yeah. Amen. What is the third step to peace? I'm not going to keep you long, but this third step is a humdinger. The third step to peace, still in 1 Peter 3, verse 15b and verse 16. Your third step, the first step to peace was what? Having a clear conscience, knowing that you're living in accordance to the word of God. The second step to peace is sanctifying Jesus in your heart. Making your heart Jesus' home. What is the third step to peace? First uh, Peter 3, 15b and A. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is so powerful and I need you to get this from your head to your heart. It says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Mm -hmm. What is the third point? The third point to peace is always being prepared to give an answer to why you have peace in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through. Amen. Always 
be prepared to share what God has done for you with other people. When people come against you and want to come against you and hurt you and ridicule you, oh, you're, you're supposed to be a Christian, you're goody two-shoes, always be prepared to give an answer. But my brothers and sisters in Christ, I have you, I want you all to know that the majority of Christians are not prepared to give an answer to what they believe. The majority of Christians are not prepared to give an answer to what they believe. And the reason is that so many people that go by the name of Christ don't take the time to learn about Jesus and to study about Jesus and to be able to share with other people the saving knowledge of who Jesus is that if they get questioned by, why do you believe what you believe? Well, I just believe it. That's not an answer. You got to know inside of your heart what you believe, that what you believe is true and what you believe is sure and what you believe you're willing to stake your life on. Can you share what you believe? Can you, and if you can't, then there's a problem. I'm going to give you an example of some young men and young ladies and and my grandson, uh, my baby sitting there. This young, these young men were like 18, 19 years old. So I asked you to turn your Bible to Daniel, the third chapter. I want you to see what it means to be prepared to uh, share whatever you believe. Daniel 3. Okay, somebody find it and tell everybody what page. Daniel 3. 721. Amen. Thank you very much. 721 in the Red Bibles. Amen. 721 in the Red Bibles. Mm, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. We're going to look at 15b. And b means the latter part of the verse. Daniel. No, not 15b. Thank you, Daddy. Daniel 3, 14 and then 15b. Are you with me? Speak to me, Lord. Amen. We're going to look at 14 first. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Nebuchadnezzar the king is questioning these three young boys about their faith. And he's giving them a chance to say, no, we, we, you know, we, we'll go along with you and go along with what you say. But he said, is it true that you don't worship my God, that you don't worship me? Look at verse 15b. Okay, 15b. B is the latter part of the verse. If you are ready to fall down, this is the king speaking. If you're really to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God, like I'm more powerful than what God will be able to rescue you from what God is this that you serve that you think is going to be stronger and more powerful than me? Then look at verse 16. We're going to read down to 18. Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego replied to him, 
King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We don't need to defend ourselves. We're not afraid of you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, then the God we serve, they knew who it was that they believed in. Then the God we serve is able to deliver us Amen. from it. Amen. They were able to answer because they knew what they believed. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Amen. But look what else it says. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. God tells us the steps to peace is knowing who it is that you serve. The steps to peace is being able to share what you believe with other people. And this is what these young men did. They were between the ages of 17 and 18. And they said, oh, king, you can say that you're God and I got to worship this idol. But these young men had a praying life. These young men didn't wait until this happened to start praying. These young men didn't wait until this happened to develop a strong relationship with Almighty God. When trials and tribulations hit them, they were prepared for it because they lived a life of prayer and they lived a life of communion and fellowship with Almighty God. They could say say to the king, we're not even going to try and defend ourselves. It, 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 it bugs me when people ask you about where you be, what you believe and they want to try and argue with you about it and tell you what you uh, believe is wrong or whatever. These men said, we don't have to defend ourselves. And I don't have to defend myself Amen. because I know who it is that I believe in. It. I know who it is that I belong to. So I know who I am. And I also know whose I am. So if you know who you are and you know whose you are, then you should have a ready answer. You should have a ready answer to tell anybody when they ask you, why you got this hope? Why you walk around acting like you got everything together? Why you walk around with this smile on your face? And I know what's happening in your life. I know what's happening with somebody trying to steal your identity. I know what's happening with your husband having a a terminal, a a bad disease. I know what happens because you're a mom and a a, a grandmom. And I know all the responsibility that's on you. But you walk around with your head up in the air like you got gold mines inside of you. But you walk around like that poem that Maya Angelou wrote. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know. But I know like you got oil wells in your thighs and gold wells inside. You walk around like you all that. But I know what it is you're going through. I know what you're going through. Why or how do you walk around like that? And prayerfully you can explain to them from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I want you to see it in the Message Bible. Mm -hmm. So pull it up on your phones. Philippians 4, 
verse 6 and 7. Keep that open because we're going to look at 8 and 9 too. But Philippians 4, 6, and 7 in the Message Bible blew my mind. How is it that we can have steps to peace? You got to be ready to always answer because you know who it is that you stand in, that you believe in. But so what happens when somebody says, how do you have this hope? Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Message Bible. You got it on your phones? I'll give you a minute. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Message Bible. Anybody got it on their phones? You ready? I love this. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, what? Pray. Let petitions and praise, look at this, shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns and before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, a sense of God's peace. Everything will come together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Amen. And he displaces it, he becomes the center of your life. Yeah. So what does it tell us in Philippians 4? It says, shape your worries into prayer. Amen. Shape your worries in the prayers, whatever it is that you're worrying about, make it into a prayer. Amen. Okay. And God says, when you take your worries and shape them in prayers, then you will sense God's wholeness or yeah. God's peace mm-hmm. coming together, flooding over you. Yeah. And you'll know Romans eight twenty eight is real, that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. Amen. Amen. And it says God will displace the worry. He'll the worry is in the center of your heart. God will move it out of the way, yeah. and Jesus will sit there. Yeah. That's how you tell people when they say, "How do you have this hope inside of you?" Because I take my worries. Oh, how, I want you to remember that. I take my worries and I shape them into prayers. Mm-hmm. And when I pray about it. God floods me with his joy, his love, and with his peace. Notice what else it says in verse 8 and 9. I'm getting ready to close. Get ready to close. Still in the Message Bible. Summing it all up, friends, I'll, I'd say to you, do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not to curse. Put into practice what you have learned from me. Put into practice what you've learned in church and in Bible study. Put into practice what you learned from me. Do that. And God who makes everything work together will work you into his most Excellent harmony. What does he say here? He says, while you're going through, think on good things. Mm-hmm. Think That's why you got to be careful what you watch, what music you listen to, all this other kind of stuff. When you're going through, think on good things. He says, think on the best, not the worst. Not the worst. You know, something happens, your mind immediately goes to the worst scenario. It immediately goes to the, God said, don't think on the worst. 
Think on the best. What's the best that could come out of it? He says, don't think on the ugly. Think on the beautiful. In the situation, don't think on the ugly. Think on the beautiful. And then he says, think on the praise and not things, think on the curse. Amen and amen. God said, take these steps and allow the peace of God to flow through your heart and your mind. Amen. Amen. Steps to peace. I I was listening, or was I listening, Lord? Yeah, I was listening to a minister on on television this morning. And he says, I think, no, no, it wasn't. I was reading my morning scriptures. Oh, I was reading my morning scriptures out of the Message Bible. And I was in Acts, the second chapter. And Peter was getting ready to do that sermon, you know, that he did. And he quoted King David. And he was saying that King David said, that he planted his tent in the land of hope. He planted his tent in the land of hope. That's what we need to do. Your tent, your house, plant your tent in the land of hope. Don't live in the land of worry. Don't live in the land of fear and doubt. Live in the land of hope. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Thank you so much. Lord, we just love you. We bless you and we exalt you in the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you in the parting of their sins, that you will touch them, Lord God. If there's anybody on our Facebook that doesn't, that hears this message and they don't know you, Lord God, I pray that they will cry out, what must I do to be saved? Because in order to put these steps for peace into your life, you've got to be a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. We love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, my soul says, amen. Our song, I ask for all heads to be bowed and all eyes closed as we sing this song. Thank you, Jesus. All heads bowed and all eyes closed. They say-